Hi, and welcome to an episode of the Jet Rails Podcast. I'm Robert Rand, your host. Today, I'm joined from Mark from Natalico, who's going to be chatting about the future for Magenta One users. Um, as we've touched on in some earlier podcast episodes, Magenta One is reaching its end of life. And there are many, many, many businesses that have invested into Magenta One sites um, that have not yet made any plan um, or taken any action to leave Magento One. And with that in mind, um, you know, we know that many of those businesses will still wind up on Magento One for some length of time after end of life. So we're going to be uh, speaking about what that is going to look like, um, how to best navigate those waters. And um, with no further ado, Mark, would you mind introducing yourself? Hi, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Mark Lewis, uh, CEO and founder of Natalico Commerce, which we're uh, a Magento, uh, Shopify, and big commerce e-commerce agency. And one of my famous questions that I, I love to ask, uh, how did Natalico get its name? <laughs> I think about eight years ago, I was trying to find a domain name that wasn't already registered and it's like kind of a single word. So... Basically, I, I made up a word, you know, I figured like Samsung, you know, Sony, it's just a thing. So I was like net and then started like trying Latin endings and you know, ended up with Natalico. And I was like, OK, that's available. And for a while, Google like suggested whenever people would Google it. It was like, did you mean Metallica? Um, now I think I've solidified it as like a real word. And now it's like, OK. You're, you don't mean Metallica. Now, the funny thing is that I was sending a text message to someone earlier and mentioning that I was going to be um, taping with you. And voice to text still does think that you're Metallica. So uh, <laughs> that, that's not a totally bad thing. I, I mean, I do like some, some heavy metal music. So that's okay. <laughs> Very cool. Um, and I know that one of the unique things about uh, about Natalico is that your team is distributed, that everyone is, uh, if I understand correctly, is remote, um, much mm -hmm. like myself, <laughs> we, uh, you know, as the remote guy for jet rails, um, I certainly have an affinity for, um, for folks that, uh, that appreciate the style of work. What's your experience been in, in operating a distributed, uh, remote team, especially given what you work on the, you know, these projects that may, uh, it may involve multiple members of your team. Yeah. So I had a little bit of like, uh, I would say training, uh, working remotely. My last job before starting Italico, uh, was for NASA as like an enterprise IT consultant where we had like 15 different locations all across the world. Um, and, uh, from that experience, I, I realized that um, there was a lot of value in not being at one of the centers. You know, obviously, actually, most people you know that work for a company uh, work in the office. But when you're trying to operate like on in an enterprise level, um, it's really great to kind of be above it all because um, when you're actually in an office, people can just walk up to you and just interrupt you. And um, honestly, that's the people that interrupt you in person isn't necessarily like the most, the, the most important thing at that moment. Um, 
And so that kind of transitioned into starting a company uh, uh, on the same kind of principles where um, particularly we work with clients from all over the world. Um, and so there's a lot of value in being in kind of different time zones to kind of get a bit more uh, distribution across, you know, hours, working hours. And, you know, the, it's, it's, it's nice to not have to get like pulled in different directions or at least like can be able to control that, you know, like you probably know uh, you can put Slack on do not disturb. Sometimes you like really need to concentrate and uh, it's a lot, it's a lot better uh, being able to do that. Um, and to that end too, uh, we've, we've really tried to create a culture of working asynchronously and, um, and you can't, what I mean by that is like, don't message someone unless it's like urgent and expect like an answer right then. Because particularly for the developer, designer, you know, people that might get into like a flow state, they're really concentrating. And, uh, you know, even if the answer to that question might be like 30 seconds long, you've disrupted them and, you know, they might take 15 minutes to get back into that. Absolutely. It's like trying to write a book and, um, you know, stopping every five minutes. It's very hard to keep the train of thought, you know, and, and really go where you're, you're trying to go with it. Um, I've been remote for over two years now, and it w- I've done a little bit of remote work before, but um, having gone from, you know, being in the heart of, a, of an on-site agency and circling the office, you know, checking on people, identifying blockers and, um, you know, just constantly, you know, in, in meetings and having people drop in. I would stay until all hours of the night because it was the only time I could get contracts done or authoring content or, you know, real strategy stuff where I, I needed to dive in, you know, real heavy analytics work. And, you know, for me, it's been a blessing um, being able to have that. Uh, that experience. And I will say, sometimes I forget, you know, to, to unsilence Slack or things like that, because yeah. I'm just in such a groove that um, you can really get a lot done. Um, I, I love getting to go up to the JetRails office uh, throughout the year and spend time with coworkers. But there's that other side of the coin where um, I definitely feel lucky that I can pack so much into the day. I feel like it's, it's really, really productive. I, I do know people that remote work does not work that way for, no. um, for, for better or worse. But, and if I saw correctly on, on your site, you're actually tracking um, how many pets you've got working in your, I'll call it satellite offices. Correct. Correct. Uh, air quotes. Yeah. We're up to eight pets, including dogs, cats, horses. And uh, yeah, in our satellite offices, uh, we consider the pets kind of part of the coworker because that's the only coworker we have in the office, you know, that day. And, you know, if, if anyone has ever worked from home with a pet, you realize like particularly a cat or something will, will, uh, will be on you. I, I'm surprised my cats aren't over <laughs> here right now. Like they might make an appearance at some point yeah. when they get hungry. So it's always bring your pet to work day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so you mentioned you've got clients around the globe. What does your client base look like? Are they, um, you know, particular verticals or particular sizes that you specialize in? Is it, you know, just a smattering of, of a little bit of everything? 
Yeah, uh, it's definitely a little bit of everything. We tend to specialize in, I would say, the mid-market. We've worked with Fortune 500 companies before, and um, those are really great, big opportunities, but we're kind of a a specialized boutique team, and um, we're not scaling up and down like big projects and, you know, suddenly doing like a thousand hours in a month and then nothing in the next month. And so we typically uh, work with clients in the one to $10 million range in revenue um, and on Magento One, Magento Two, Shopify, and a uh, little big commerce. And it really, it really depends on the client. It's not a particular vertical. Um, we're more looking for clients that um, really like want to kind of be integrated with the team and like work collaboratively uh, as opposed to, you know, particularly a lot of uh, bigger clients like just want to kind of throw things, you know, on an agency. And that's great for a big agencies. Um, but we're, we're looking kind of to really be efficient and really be like a part of their team, kind of a fractional CTO, fractional uh, UX designer, um, as opposed to, you know, like multiple people working on, uh, you know, like multiple developers, multiple designers. Most of our clients do, you know, in the range of like 10 to 50 hours a month. Um, and that's not a full-time person. Um, and if they hired a full-time developer that, you know, they would have way too much free time and they want to have like the design um, assets and, uh, you know, uh, SEO. So we're trying to really get that, be like that fractional part of their team. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, w- with JetRails, there's some similarity in that you know, we're almost your, or maybe we are your outsourced uh, you know, sysops that, um, mm-hmm. you know, for those big Fortune 500 style companies that they'll get to a point where they've got in house, uh, you know, hosting expertise round the clock that they're large enough to, uh, you know, to, to justify certain expense. We're typically working with, you know, established businesses, you know, mid-market, small, medium enterprise. Um, you know, there's a certain size where they might bring us in and, and we have clients of that nature, um, you know, of, of those large enterprises where we'll be there for some ongoing consulting. We'll be there to supplement the knowledge that they have in-house um, because we work on so many accounts and with so many new and, uh, you know, in some cases, maybe even beta tools, early release things that, mm. um, you know, that we have opportunities to compare and contrast with what they're up to. Um, but by and large, you know, we're all uh, looking for folks that we can partner well with, that we can supplement well with with the resources that we have on hand, um, yeah. uh, where we can have that that positive impact. And, you know, based upon that size that you were mentioning in the average one to 10 million a year in, in revenue, um, I, I, is it fair to say that a, a large portion of those users are still on Magento One? Uh, definitely. Uh, we're seeing uh, in our client base around like 70%. And that kind of almost tracks with what we're seeing on just the general statistics on the web, maybe like 60% is what most hosting companies are telling me about. You know, they still have a pretty substantial number of uh, uh, clients on Magento One. Mm-hmm. 
And what are your customers telling you about why they're still on Magento One? I'm sure that your team has had outreach, you know, in your communications. You ask them if they uh, if they have an interest in anything else, or I, I'd imagine that the conversation, one way or another, comes up. They're being bombarded with. Uh, with messaging, maybe not unlike this podcast episode about Magento One's end of life. What um, what type of feedback on average are you getting? Yeah, it's the conversation has really been evolving ever since Magento Two was released. Um, when Magento Two was first released, it seemed like kind of the obvious choice of like, oh, you're on Magento One, you know, one point nine, just go to two, um, but I think uh, merchants realize uh, when they started getting like estimates on the migrations from Magento 1 to Magento 2, they realized like it's not a migration. It's, it's actually a, a total replatforming project. Um, and so at that point, uh, the conversation changes a little bit and they start thinking like, well, if I'm going to do this big replatforming um, Magento 2 isn't necessarily the obvious choice because it, it, it's really from like the development standpoint, it's not easier or necessarily harder to go from like Magento 1 to 2 or Magento 1 to Shopify, the commerce. Yeah. And, and I would say, well, if you're doing a million dollars in revenue a year and you're not considering what your other options are, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, just basic maintenance on a Magento site, patching and upgrading and uh, and, you know, various other needs, I think that you should be looking at your options. And in some cases, you'll be driven right back to Magento because of the, the open nature, the flexibility, because of, you know, specific needs and requirements that you have. But you may, you know, very well wind up somewhere else. And, uh, you know, I, I think the businesses owe it to themselves to investigate that, perhaps to be talking with agencies like yours that specialize in more than one platform that can guide them in a more reasonable way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like particularly, uh, like you said, it's, it's not the obvious choice. And um, like for a lot of the smaller retailers, like uh, Magento 2 does, in addition to the higher like cost of migration, there seems to be a, a overall higher uh, total cost of ownership because of you know the frequent patches. Um, the the platform is just a bit more complex. It's very robust. It's very powerful. I, I, you know, if you you can run you know billion dollar brands on it, um, but it's kind of like uh, like like having like a diesel truck or you know a Ford F one fifty when you're trying to just like go highway driving. You know, it's like you're you're really spending a lot of gas and a lot of money in this analogy uh, to keep something, you know, to keep this power going that you might not need. You can have like a Honda Civic or something. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think some of it depends on, you know, if you want to own the site, if you want the flexibility Magento brings, if you're interested in some of the cutting edge additions that are being added in. I was just looking, um, Magento just launched their latest uh, patches and, and upgrades for both Magento 1 and 2. We've got an article launching. Uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll wind up adding it in the show notes because it's it's interesting that you know if you were to look, there might have been you know in the double digits of uh, of fixes and and up and security updates and what have you for Magento One in the latest mm -hmm. upgrades and patches. Um, but into the 
triple digits for Magento 2, that there's just, you know, a lot more code being committed, a lot, whether it's new features and integrations, whether it's fixes, whether it's, you know, other um, iterative improvements, that it reminds me of when Magento 1 was a little bit younger. Um, And the difference is that when Magento 1 was younger, there weren't quite as many security patches by volume, at least to my memory. Um, It wasn't, you know, under, uh, you know, under the same climate, <laughs> um, which, which could be said of other platforms that are open source. I, I wouldn't call that necessarily a Magento problem. I think that, um, you know, when you're on a platform that's very popular, folks are, are looking for ways to, uh, you know, to go after, you know, those kinds of sites, um, look for vulnerabilities that they can find in a, in a wide range of different websites all at once. Um, you've got to be vigilant. Um, so, and with that, there, there's a cost to vigilance. Uh, you get your freedom of the site, but um, like we say, you know, that there, there's more complexity, there's more cost. Um, and keep kind of transitioning from there for a second, would you, um, would it be fair to say that some of the merchants that you're in contact with, that they have some misconceptions about the end of life of Magento One? Because it's something that I still run into. And, you know, given that there have been end-of-life dates for Magento 1, it had moved already, but, uh, you know, they they'd extended the end-of-life, but this is not a new topic. Um, are you still running into some of that, where merchants just aren't sure about what's going to happen in June of 2020, what their options are, what the landscape looks like? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, I think the general consensus or just emotion is kind of fear, and uncertainty, um, and uh, a lot of merchants like feel feel like you know, oh, end of life. All right, maybe their stores just going to shut off. Um, and as you and I know, like uh, Magento being an open source product, and you know, if, for example, it, it being hosted on JetRails servers, nothing nothing is going to change unless unless the server shuts off. The, s- the site will keep on running totally fine, uh, kind of on that like drop dead end of life date. That's um, right. You know, and there may very well be some web hosts that don't want to support a platform that's not getting official security patches that, um, th- that provide some sort of notice to their users that they're going to stop supporting, uh, you know, or providing hosting for that platform. Mm-hmm. JetRails is taking the opposite uh, approach that we're putting things in place in order to better secure our customers that are still on Magento 1 for a period of time um, to give them that extra runway to, to allow it to be their choice. Um, you know, and, and so I, I and, and that's certainly a bigger topic, <laughs> but I, yeah. I think it, it's an important one. We know that we're certainly not the only Magento web host that's taking steps um, to be able to continue to support Magento 1 users. I, I think everyone's approach is a little bit different. Um, you know, at, at JetRails, we're used to tailoring to the user and giving options and uh, and working closely in a partner capacity. Um, and yeah. so that's what we plan to continue to do, not to tie anyone's hands or try to make it something more of a, a SaaS solution, um, but rather to empower users to make good choices, to, to use the technology that they have. Um, and we are still seeing that absolutely, you know, people are afraid that it's like a Y2K that their site's going <laughs> to 
implode. Um, they yeah. may have some additional risk. They may have to do certain things or, or have certain implications, at least from where we're sitting for PCI compliance in terms of questionnaires and certifications and things. Um, I wouldn't call it a, you know, a one and done that nothing happens come, you know, June 2020. But at the same time, the, the, the site doesn't just break instantly, uh, at least from everything that, that's available, <laughs> uh, you know, knowledge wise today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just it, the, the reality is in, in June, um, everyone's sites will keep working just fine. Um, what, what some considerations will be is, you know, after that point, Magento says that they're not releasing patches and that's, that's pretty much like decided. I, don't, I haven't heard any wavering on that. Um, and so merchants like should be concerned of like, okay, how do I secure my site? Um, and you know, with that, particularly for PCI compliance, um, in addition to the patches, there's just like so many other ways to uh, secure, you know, a website. And honestly, um, not to get too technical, it, but a lot of the uh, a lot of the soupy patches patch things that mm, are fairly low priority. There's something called like privilege escalation, where you already have to have like admin access. Um, and so maybe you ha have admin access and you only have access to the CMS, but you could get access to the products. Um, that is a security vulnerability, but uh, it's not... It's not, not critical. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not something like if you don't patch it, you're just going to like have a wide open hole to get hacked. Um, and for that kind of thing, I recommend more uh, like firewalls, particularly... And I think JetRails... Uh, includes Cloudflare, which um, we love Cloudflare as, as in terms of uh, firewall. Um, they, they have so many automated things where, you know, maybe there will be some sort of like serious security vulnerability in like the software itself, but they've already blocked it at the firewall level. So, you know, you should patch it, but you don't, you don't have as much urgency around that. Yeah. And, you know, for sure. I mean, Cloudflare is, is our go-to. It's our standard uh, CDN and, and WAF, um, you know, for virtual firewalling. It's phenomenal. Um, we've been significant partners of, uh, of Cloudflare for years. We've written the Magento extensions for Magento 1 and Magento 2 to integrate Cloudflare more cohesively into your Magento admin so that you can do things like flush cache without needing to open up another browser window. Um, and go directly to a, a Cloudflare portal. You can do it from your Magento admin. We, we like making these tools simpler to use, better to use. For our customers, we're managing those firewalls for them, additional blacklists and things that we've got going. Um, but we've also partnered with others like Securi. So if we've got a client that would rather use um, that firewall, for instance, um, and Securi has you know their their own standards and their own benefits, especially around Magento One um, end of life, that we've got choice for users and we can help users navigate those waters as part of the, the bigger, um, you know, the bigger look at it, that you want to be following other general best practices, things around least privileged access in terms of how anyone can potentially get to your web server or what information about your web server is being uh, you know, leaked out <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, people don't 
you know, the outside world doesn't need to know what versions of certain software you're running and other things that, you know, outside of the end of life of Magento One, um, you know, I'm always amazed how many people are still on um, a version of PHP that's end of life mm-hmm. when they could have had that upgraded. So, and for the same, you know, same line of thinking, how many are still missing Magento One patches right. and operating on Magento One? So, yeah. typically, I think, you know, if you want to stay on Magento One, um, you really do want to have the right dev partner, the right agency that's helping to make sure that uh, that your Magento instance is healthy, uh, the right hosting partner to make sure that the, the hosting environment is healthy. I mean, we do free uh, security audits and speed tests and things as well as different, you know, paid uh, offerings as well. But, you know, we always tell people, you know, go to our site, fill out the little security form. We'll give you insight. Um, you know, there are things that you can just patch or deal with wherever you are, but you should know <laughs> what's visible to pretty much any hacker that goes and takes a look at your site or that's scanning Magento sites randomly across the internet. And you should be dealing with those things. Um, yeah. now, back to Magento patches. I know that there are some initiatives that are um, putting, or at least you know, promising um, to put out some Magento patches for M1 post end of life. So from the mm-hmm. community, or from a particular company that may charge some money. Um, is that something that you've had a chance to really dive in with? Yeah. Um, you know, right now there are three kind of prominent, I would say like forks or projects uh, to maintain Magento uh, after the end of life. The, the first one is Open Mage, which has been around, I think over a year, and they've actually uh, already been basically fixing bugs in Magento One, um, as you know, uh, as in terms of like uh, indexing issues or something like that. And they'll they'll they've been integrating all the security patches that Magento Corporate is releasing, but they're trying to like actually make Magento One better. Um, and they also have like a roadmap of you know basically maintaining Magento One kind of as is with bug fixes and security, and then kind of actually evolving it uh, and, you know, doing more like headless and PWA, like OpenMage really wants to make Magento 1 kind of live forever. Um, The other project is um, Mage 1, which is um, uh, the, the concept of it is like you pay a monthly fee and they will uh, make like release security patches, kind kind of like almost like Magento Enterprise Edition. Um, the I've had some conversations with Mage One, um, and I'm also involved uh, with Open Mage as as a part of the their kind of like c- contributors. Um, Mage One, they really have to they have to get a lot of merchants uh, subscribed, or it won't won't really be worth it for them to maintain it because basically if they release or fix a patch, um, you know, in Magento one, uh, that's just one piece of work. And if they don't have enough merchants to kind of make that worth their while, um, the, the project could kind of, you know, go belly up. It, 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 it could be more expensive than they're actually making. 
Um, and I've had a, a lot of conversations with him around that. Um, and additionally, there's some licensing issues where they're proposing to keep the patches private, but Magento is under a particular open source license where that's a little, a little, a little of a gray area, basically. Mm. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, Absolutely. You know, and it is interesting. I'd been taking a look earlier at some of the documentation around um, OpenMage. And if I remember correctly, they've already closed something like, you know, 400 plus issues on GitHub. Yeah. Um, I, I know that I, I was looking over an, an older article that I'd seen in the past from Firegento where in 2018, they already had, you know, 68 code contributors and, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and lots of momentum. I don't, I don't know that OpenMage has really grown uh, additional momentum, maybe from those, you know, from those earlier days. But um, they at least, you know, seem to be going. I, I'm with you. I don't know that um, that my goal in life would be to keep Magento One running forever. Um, I think, like any aged piece of software, <laughs> uh, that, that it should. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it, it should enjoy a retirement at some point. Um, I don't think that we all want to go back to Windows 3.1 or I don't, you know, <laughs> pick your poison, right? Well, Windows XP. Windows yeah, XP that's, that, that's fair. I mean, the, there's still the, some the ETMs and stuff running Windows XP, right? You know, it's true. Yeah, I mean, we wish that that wasn't the case, but it is. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it lives, but it's not really, um, you know, it's not really where you want to be if, if you're trying to run a cutting edge business. Um, Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's going to be a, a you know, I, I think one of the biggest questions is, you know, if you do get some patches, how does that go? And side by side with that, what about the Magento extensions? Um, because mm-hmm. if the Magento extension developers aren't providing patches for those, and if, um, if the Magento patches that are being put out by, let's say, OpenMage don't necessarily take into account some of those common Magento extensions and, you know, and, and nobody's really watching those. Are those going to, you know, continue to be a sore spot? Um, you know, we do know that from time to time, some of the vulnerabilities that come up with Magento, um, they are extension based um, as opposed to the core product. Yeah. Well, you know, to then that end, uh, I don't think there's been like a serious, like zero day vulnerability in the Magento one core and over three to maybe even five years, I think the last serious bug was the shoplift bug, where basically if you weren't patched, you could just get hacked like just just like that. Um, and you know, with that, I I've observed some uh, some confusion around the Magento security itself because I think that just applying the patches is almost like TSA level security. <laughs> Security theater. Yeah. I like that. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's about PCI compliance, you know, that you need to like look secure, but you know, if you're not caring about the third party extensions that you have installed and the possible vulnerabilities in that, it doesn't matter uh, whether you have the latest soupy um, because you know, the, any module can have some sort of backdoor, whether like accidental or some, Modules do have like backdoors like programmed into them, some yeah. particularly like encrypted modules. PCI compliance is obviously very important, but I, I would agree that 
it is to an extent, it, it's a test, it's uh, standardized, and that means that it isn't necessarily, you know, the scans that you run, the, the tests that happen, they're not built to test for every vulnerability or for things that are particularly specific to your website. Yes, they're going to check that certain ports are locked down and that um, other best practices are there. They're, they'll also catch a bunch of... Um, uh, you know, a, a bunch of, you know, red flags that, that are false flags <laughs> because, yeah. you know, the, the, yes, something might be accessible, but, you know, it's blocked off in another way where, you know, it's not really, you know, vulnerable um, to, to some sort of an attack. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, you know, I know that I typically recommend that people, um, they go through, they see what extensions they have, they remove things that they're not using or that are obsolete or, um, I, I was using the term uh, on a recent episode, you know, talking a little bit about um, is this extension uh, bringing you joy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, you know, yeah. the, the modern outlook on on things, you know, is, is this bringing you value? Um, you know, at, at the risk of being redundant. Um, and so I, I think that that's certainly um, going to be Im- important as it always has been because um, it's not even just the uh, the security, but you're also potentially adding more code conflict into the mix by adding all these extras. You're potentially slowing down your site, adding you know code that can have issue, uh, you know that, that it can cause <laughs> the site to take longer to load various pages or elements. Um, so it's always a best practice that few stop to actually go through and clean up. Yeah, yeah. There's um. So, uh, William DeGroote, which is, he's a fairly well-known security researcher um, in the Magento space, uh, actually has some of the tools that that his team puts out. So, yeah, very familiar. Say, uh, Sanguine Security, his uh, like you know scanner is is amazing, and and he also has like a a, a list basically of like third-party modules and the versions that are vulnerable. Um, the scanner that he has basically automatically uses that list and looks for other infections. Um, but, you know, if you if you can't like afford the scanner or, you know, your host doesn't have the scanner, um, like JetRails, uh, you can just look at that list and say, oh, I have a vulnerable module. And if you have a vulnerable module, it's really just like a matter of time, like before you potentially get hacked. Um, and once again, you know, it doesn't matter how many soupy patches you have at that point. Um, you'd have kind of like an open door right there. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of the benefits of working with folks that do a volume of, of the work, whether it's with a host that is using different tools to your benefit, um, you know, that, that's more proactive, that, you know, this is the lifeblood, or whether it's development. I mean, if you're going from Magento 1 to 2 and you've never done it before, not only is there a learning curve, but there are scripts and things that if you've done any volume of this that, you have in your back pocket <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that help with some of that process. So, um, so that, that's certainly, I, I think, a consideration for folks, you know, regardless of what vendors they use, just, um, you know, making sure that they're talking to folks that understand best practice and that have resource available. Um, yeah. And I, I think uh, to that end, I think the, the web hosts like, like JetRails, um, you know, the Magento specialized web hosts are the, in the best position to really support Magento 1 merchants 
because they have that kind of knowledge base of, of the security and vulnerabilities. Oh, whereas if you just like slap your site on like GoDaddy, they're basically just going to tell you if your server's down or not down. You know, like when you're working with uh, like a Magento specialized host, they know the actual like application and they know like what to do to secure that application. We know what best practices for scalability, security, for speed, for general stability and reliability of the site. You know, we're picking up the phone within 10 seconds for anything and everything. We're, uh, we're proactively monitoring. We have an operation center, a knock, where we're monitoring these sites 24-7. So when right. there is an issue, we typically know first whether it's a DDoS attack or whether it's uh, you know, maybe some code that got committed that didn't work out quite as well as, as one would hope. Um, and so we get to work on immediate mitigation, notify everyone involved. Um, it, it's a different animal um, when you're relying on on this website to you know put food on the table um, when this is your lifeblood and you know th this is a serious part of uh you know of, of your existence um absolutely and like i say you know we're not the only uh you know strong magento host in town we like to think that we have some differentiators and um some unique things that we bring to the table we're always happy to have those conversations with merchants but it's more about the ability to invest time and resource into understanding Magento into properly uh, optimizing environments from all perspectives, including security for Magento. Um, and the same would apply to other platforms, of course. So um, I, same thing that I would tell people about hiring an agency is that there's lots of folks that know HTML and CSS or PHP or JavaScript or whatever it may be. But if you aren't familiar enough with Magento as a platform, um, there's a steep learning curve. <laughs> there, yeah. there, there's a, a pound of flesh to pay. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And, and that's one uh, you know, thing to consider in moving away from Magento 1 is that over time, the agency support will, will get worse because there, there's not a huge incentive to keep that Magento 1 knowledge for, forever. So I don't know a lot of developers, and this is, I think, a linchpin for this, that want to continue to focus on Magento 1, that for their careers, they know that that's eventually, whether or not it continues to live on for a bit longer, it's going to head to the graveyard. It's not exciting in terms of learning new things and growing your skills, which is something that I think you know developers are prone to, that they're mm. people that naturally... Um, in many cases, you know, have that bug <laughs> that um, yeah. they want to be learning and growing, but more so for a job safety perspective that you want to chase the new thing, the thing that's more challenging um, mm -hmm. and not just get stuck in your old skill set that'll eventually become obsolete. So I yeah. think that for, for those reasons as well, um, it is questionable. I mean, I think that there are still plenty of developers today, but uh, I think that there is a dissipation, at least of the really good developers. Let's put it mm -hmm. that way, that if you're really good at what you do, you're going to want to stay at the top of your game. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think that's one like differentiation between um, my agency, Natalico, is like most of our staff have worked at, at a merchant. And I think we have a whole lot of empathy for the position merchants are in right now. You know, even... I'm a developer myself, even if I really would love to use like knockout JS and, you know, the, the latest like frameworks, 
um, you know, being in the trenches with these merchants for years and years, I, I realized that um, while Magento 2 or Magento 1 might not be like the sexiest platform right now, uh, it's definitely seeing its wrinkles right now. But, but it's stable. <laughs> it's very stable. And a lot of merchants have built have built their platform on top of the foundation of Magento 1. And I, I think that's something that's often neglected when um, Magento corporate and just agencies in general will be like, oh, Magento 2 has all these great features. Well, a lot of merchants just don't care because they, they've customized Magento 1 to exactly what they need it to do already. And um, I, I've seen some cases in kind of Magento 1 to Magento 2 res rescue projects where they got to Magento 2 quickly because they felt like, you know, they're being pushed off of it. And then they realized and felt like, oh, did we get downgraded? You know, like two is greater than one, but our site is slower. It, it doesn't do some things that our old site did because they had so many customizations. It was just like, it's like a custom car. It's just like, just absolutely, you know, not enough scoping to understand what really getting a one-to-one -one move where, where you would, you know, cause if you were on Magento one for pick your, your length of time, whether it was three years or five years or eight years, or, um, you had years and years of installing extensions and having customization done and you've forgotten a good <laughs> chunk of it as, as a business owner. <laughs> Um, you know, until you really go back and, and you probably have very limited documentation on what was done. Mm -hmm. uh, th that seems to be consistent, um, you know, years of different, uh, different employees of, of different developers and agencies. Um, so going back and ha having a quick audit done to see what extensions are in there and understand what, you know, what you actually have and what it's going to take to get something equal, you know, get something that's going to perform in, in a similar way with M2 and Magento 2. I mean, Magento 1 was, was a resource hog. Magento 2 is certainly a beast. Um, it is, it is not exactly the same. Um, so yeah, that, you know, you may have to optimize more. You may need, you know, your, your hosting to be a little bit different. You know, you, you may certainly want to take advantage of additional caching like varnish that you may have gotten away with using something lesser with Magento 1. Um, it is different. Um, and so I, I would say that there, there is definitely some of that in, in the market that it's just about having, you know, having the right Sherpas to catch up the mountain to understand what it's really going to cost you, how long it's really going to take. In some cases, it, I don't want to over, overstep, but it, it may not be that, that hard or take that long. Um, but you want to know the first time. You don't want to find out in arrears that you know your original scope was incorrect, was a fraction of the real job. Um, just like any other project that, that you'll come across, I, I find that that's that's all part and parcel of the industry as, as a whole. Um, and even then, you know, you may find that your favorite Magento one extension isn't available for Magento two, and then mm -hmm. you've got a do some serious thinking about, do you have a custom extension written or do you use something else that's similar enough? Um, it's not always an apples to apples, one-to-one. -one. Um, you, you know, there, there are, <laughs> I think compromise is part of the process. And in some cases, it's about figuring out um, also what are the new features of Magento 2? We've spent some time on the podcast and, and put out some material on the topic as well. Um, because I, Magento 2 launched in 2015, and now we're 
you know, we're several iterations in. And I think that for a lot of merchants, they don't even know what's there. Um, and like a lot of software, most of us don't use every feature in Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel. <laughs> right. uh, there's a lot that goes unused. Some of those things that are going to be impactful, some of them not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the same thing I tell people when they're looking at Magento open source versus uh, Magento commerce that it has to do with, you know, what's the actual feature list? What are you going to use? Or, and dollar for dollar, would you be better off with using some extensions or SaaS solutions to get those features and have more money left for marketing? Are you going to use so much of it that absolutely the commerce starts to become an easy win? And dollar for dollar, it makes sense. Um, you know, the, yeah. th- there's math to be done. And it, <laughs> it's rare that you see that you know, someone sit down with a spreadsheet and do the math. It's usually, oh, you've got this much revenue. So <laughs> we're just going to tell you that this is the, the answer. Or that's the answer. You know, it's... I could do a about whole you. another podcast on that yeah. topic. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm for all of it. You know, I, I think <laughs> there's, there's a user for all of it. There's a use case for all of it. Um, but, you know, I, I asked a question earlier and I didn't think uh, about it, but about misconceptions about the end of life of Magento 1. And one that we came across was uh, merchants that were being told by, by folks in the, uh, in the ecosystem from places that we wouldn't have expected, telling them that Magento community didn't exist and that <laughs> they should go Magento commerce. Instead of saying that it was basically, well, there's only Magento open source. It's not called community anymore. They were sort of sidestepping that a little bit um, to people that knew better. Um, yeah. And it, it, it was a bit awkward to, um, to have some of those conversations. But there's a lot of that um, salesmanship going on in, I'd say, the last year or so. I mean, and we're trying to help our clients um, and, and our you know, uh, folks that we're in touch with to at least navigate the waters in, in real terms. As a web host, we don't, you know, whether you're on open source or commerce, we're happy to host you. <laughs> it doesn't, right. uh, you know, doesn't change all that much for us, but it's very interesting what's going on out there. And, uh, you know, with Magento 2.3, uh, support for progressive web apps for PWA, you know, a lot of the, the GraphQL a- APIs and things have um, been stealing uh, a lot of the limelight, whether or not they're the most used or not. Um, there's mm-hmm. a, a lot of a lot of potential there and some cutting edge brands getting a lot of value out of that new tech. Um, I know that um, there are some that have started even with Magento one to use similar, you know, progressive web app uh, opportunities to replace their, their front end to do things, um, you know, from a security perspective, I suppose that that may take away some vulnerability uh, of, of anything that may happen in your traditional Magento uh, one front end because you're not loading the traditional front end. Um, you're loading this progressive web app. Have you come across that as, as part of anyone's strategy to stay on Magento one to extend the life of it, um, to make the portion that, that's really accessible to the outside world something different than the native front end? I think the P- PWA stuff is is interesting for Magento one and two. Um, but I would... I would only recommend that uh, unless like you're really considering, you know, that kind of PWA front end. I don't think it's particularly like a great uh, security security like fix because you still have to expose at least part of your back end for the front end to access it. Um, but, you know, in general, like 
however much you can like really lock down your site. And, you know, if, if your backend only has access, you know, to the APIs, you, you're not having all these like, you know, random URLs and stuff. And that, that is a, a net win. Uh, it's just not something that I would uh, recommend people like rely on uh, or, or go that way for security reasons. Um, mostly it's like performance and SEO, that kind of thing. That makes sense. Um, what else should Magenta One users be thinking about moving forward? Um, and I, I'd say especially around third parties, because we've been talking a lot about Magento's core and about you know developers and hosts, but there's a lot of extensions and integrations out there as well. Yeah, I think that will be one of the uh, biggest blockers or motivations for people to switch to Magento 2 or another platform as as like extension vendors and just various integrations like uh, um, like you know payment gateways like authorize.net or uh, I think Adian is is one of uh, you know a UK payment vendor that says like we're not going to support Magento one period in June. Um, I, I think that their statement had to do with yeah PCI compliance that um, they didn't particularly want to be part of uh, a solution that wasn't going to be PCI compliant. They didn't want to put you know their rubber stamp on it. So yeah, um, I think that it, I don't know if anything's changed, but um, I know I'd included it in an article over the last few months that yeah they were basically saying um, don't plan on <laughs> getting uh, continued support from Adyen. If you're staying on Magento One after its end of life, Authorize.net's an interesting one because um, with this week's latest releases from Magento, um, they've begun deprecating Authorize.net uh, from the Magento core in the first place. Um, basically, telling folks that with some uh, some new EU policies, which I think are good um, for, for the record, that um, you know that their core integration to Authorize.net as well as some others. Um, we're not, uh, you know, we're not compatible. We're not satisfactory for the new standards. Yeah. And so go to the Magento marketplace and, you know, get an extension there. Um, but in essence, they're not going to be putting out, um, an update in the core. I, we've certainly seen through the years where a native Magento, uh, module, um, if you will, uh, you know, let's say UPS needs an update. Um, and I suppose, you know, that at that point, um, you're going to be relying at best on, you know, someone like OpenMage or some other third party to navigate mm -hmm. those waters for you, unless you're going to take on that expense yourself to go and fix whenever right. there's a change in someone, some third party's API or some other service or integration that, um, whether there's it's also, native or whether it's not. There's also a lot of SaaS services like ShipperHQ. And one of the values of something like ShipperHQ is they really look like abstract all those different APIs, UPS, FedEx, you know, I'm just talking about shipping that applies Absolutely. to everything else, like, you know, payment gateways. Um, and, you know, if you have some sort of SaaS solution, just plugging in and filling that gap, you don't have to worry about every individual thing. Um, and I'm seeing that a bit with payment gateways as well. Um, you know, authorized.net, I think is an interesting one because it, it was kind of like the standard uh, payment integration for a while because so many uh, merchant providers like supported authorized.net as kind of like the gateway. Um, but I think, you know, in Magento's case, case they kind of 
bef- even before they deprecated it, they just start stopped caring about it because um, it, there wasn't really an incentive for them to maintain it themselves. The Magento has a partnership with PayPal and Braintree where they do actually kind of get a little rev share from uh, that. Uh, and so they're, they're more incentivized to maintain uh, Braintree and PayPal in the core and as opposed to authorize.net. Um, I, I think it's actually good for the community to kind of take over the maintenance of, of that kind of thing. I would agree. And I, I also, I don't mind some of these things being um, managed via, via extension. Um, I think it's there are fewer conflicts that way. You know, you basically only have what you need. Don't have extra weight in the site. Um, you know, for things that you're not using. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've got you know some similar thinking there. Um, I, you know, certainly I think PCI compliance is going to continue to be an interesting topic um, for folks that stay on Magento One and and if and how they're going to um, continue to, to maintain um, some of those needs. You know, similarly, you know, I had a question come up earlier today. Um, I was posting a reply to someone um, that was asking for a particular feature in their Magento One site in the Magento forums. Um, mm. Somehow I still find a few minutes to try to pay it forward on there, um, you know, as best as I can, <laughs> whatever use I am to the universe, right? And, um, you know, and I was saying to myself, you know, here you go, here's some links, you know, there are actually extensions to do what you're looking to do. And I started wondering, will those links be any good come June? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and with all of those users still on Magento One, I actually don't know what the official line is from Magento on how long they'll allow Magento One extensions to continue to live in the marketplace or if they'll cut them off at that point. Um, it is going to be a question that I'm going to add to my list for, um, for Magento Imagine this year um, that, that I'll hope to get some sort of semblance of answer to. Mm. Um, you know, but... Back to integrations and other things. I'm just finishing up an article that that I hope to launch no later than tomorrow. Um, you know, Google's Chrome browser uh, version, I believe it's 80, is launching um, in about a week, and they've got new policies for same site cookies. And I'm not going to go <laughs> too deep into it. Uh, here and now, but I, I'm personally expecting some ramifications for some Magento users, whether they're using cookies with third-party integrations that pull up iframes, like you know maybe you know some kind of a payment gateway like PayPal, um, mm-hmm. or whether they're uh, wh- whether they've got um, maybe you know some software running on the server like New Relic, um, or uh, whether they're running multiple domains to their Magento instance and they're sharing cookies between. Um, there are some implications here. Um, and so I know that, you know, there's an open issue on GitHub for Magento 2. Uh, you know, th- this is one of those things where I think that there are going to be a number of users that um, their site doesn't function quite the way that it did uh, mm-hmm. for these users in Chrome and Firefox and others will subsequently take on similar, uh, similar rules. It's security based. It's not a bad thing, um, right. but it doesn't really matter which, uh, which version or, you know, whether you were on WooCommerce or PrestaShop or Xcard or, you know, I mean, pick something more, you know, something newer, like, you know, Cilius or Shopware. Or, um, if you're on an open source platform, um, I, I think that you're going to have to address things like that in an ongoing 
Um, if you're in a supported platform, you may be more likely to get some sort of a patch or update. In the case of, of Magento 1 or 2, I don't know that there's going to be any relief for that particular issue in the immediate. So it's one that we're going to be trying to you know, tell people, go test your site as fast as you yeah. can now. Um, yeah, get on Canary, Chrome Canary and see exactly. Like how it exactly. does. Uh, have you, I know it's, uh, it's something that hasn't gotten a lot of attention. Um, have you seen anyone looking to, to test their site for that? We've definitely uh, heard like some rumblings of it. I haven't come across anything specifically that I know like doesn't work, but you know, theoretically, I, I really can imagine um, yeah. some existing integrations that yeah. would you know wouldn't I, work. I'm not trying to go doomsday on any of it, but you know, better for as a web host. Inevitably, when things stop working, our ticket queue starts to you know, starts sure. to get some new additions, and so we do try. While we're not, um, you know, the Magento developers to our clients um, or the developers for whatever other platforms some of our other customers may be using, um, we do certainly um, like to share information so that the people know in advance, or, or so we can flag for them what an issue may be. So they can get on it as, as reasonably as possible. Um, you know, sometimes folks ask us, why do we get into some of these topics? And um, we're part of that community. We're part of the ecosystem. And we find that it's, it's important that we participate in that way, just like, you know, other web hosts and dev teams and, you know, marketers and what have you, that uh, we're all in it together. It takes a village. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, that kind of dovetails into an effort that I'm working on called like Mage One Security Edition which is trying to kind of collaborate among the different Magento web hosts, particularly Magento web hosts, uh, agencies, and some merchants that are, have really like, you know, vested interest, like literally financial interest in keeping Magento 1 secure for at least, you know, one to, to two years while they're working on some sort of other migration. Um, there, there is like a, a financial interest in, in keeping Magento 1 secure, and I think that it can be done in a way that like, kind of benefits the community from an open source perspective. Um, and so, you know, I'm working with Mage, uh, with Open Mage as well, um, which they're more uh, like um, thinking about like bug fixes, and they're, they'll obviously do security fixes. But I'm trying to create like a bug bounty program and keep that open to the community so that you know uh, if uh, a vulnerability is found and it's patched. It's open to the community, just like you know, Magento One is currently on the community open source edition. Absolutely, and look, you know, there are lots of us in the community that want to stand behind those kinds of projects um, that are involved in in some similar things. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, keep us at, at JetRails in, in the loop as you've you've already begun to. Um, for how we can be supportive. And um, I, I really appreciate you coming on, having the, this chat today. Yeah. Um, I think a, a lot of great things for merchants to think about. And um, any final thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I, I think this Magento One end of life conversation is is really complicated. And uh, hopefully this uh, information is good for someone that's like really thinking about it. But, you know, feel free to like shoot me an email um, if you just have specific questions or concerns, it's like, well, what about this extension? What about this? Um, 
yeah, just shoot me an email, um, mark at natalico.com. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you again for joining. Um, for our listeners, thank you for tuning into another episode. Um, we'll be sure to share some handy links in the, uh, uh, in the description of the podcast episode. And um, stay tuned for some other great episodes. We've got uh, oh, a good dozen planned already <laughs> uh, in 2020 and growing. So uh, lots more great content to come. Um, as always, please feel free to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or, or catch our, our videos, uh, whether YouTube or Facebook. Uh, we're at JetRails, um, certainly on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, you know, feel free to give us a, uh, a review, um, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or another podcast platform. We do truly appreciate it. Thanks and happy selling.